They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Put the bye-bye-bye-bye. Put the bye-bye-bye-bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. Bye 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 bye. Hey, how you doing? I'm alright, man. How are you? Oh, I'm breaking, but knack. Yeah, good, good, knackered. But um, yeah, just been sleeping all day, to be honest. That's a good place to be. I can do that. I can smash the ass off of sleeping all day if needed. Yeah, I just not last couple of weeks. I've not had a single. You know, when you need regular sleep in a some kind of pattern and it's just been three hours here four hours there basically throughout and i've come come back to the uk and now i'm a, a broken man well i think you have to you need to lay off the caffeine bullet that's the problem when you're promoting your product so hard by by doing it it, it doesn't it can't help for sleep absolutely i mean i did have one guy um a guy called andy he took one and then uh, he couldn't sleep for something like six hours so <laughs> yeah has anyone has anyone uh, you probably if you if you've listened to um, the uh, episode on uh, where we speak to uh, uh, DNA Fit, um, he talks about the guy who uh, basically goes blind um, by having is it the is it the exact um, dose? I don't know how much he'd had, but I mean it. That must be such a high dose to have because they. That's a weird thing. Like in the Olympics, for example, they well, WADA they ban. A certain amount of caffeine but there's only so much that it's worth taking because after you know, six milligrams per kilo you, you know you're not it actually gets worse but um so, actually the same guy andy he was telling me the reason why they ban it is because um if you've got people who are trying to lose weight rapidly yeah so rowers boxers apparently the diuretic properties of caffeine mean that some people would be taking huge amounts of it just to get rid of the water from their system oh really yeah which i'd never never thought of before but i guess at huge quantities it must have quite an impact in well you've got another market there russia (laughs) (laughs) did you see russia have been done again for winter olympics oh my god are you kidding have you not heard no i've not heard okay you won't believe me but genuinely, and I think they're doing checks because it's, it's been flagged. And you know the way they've got A sample, B sample. Yeah. It's for the curling. Oh, my goodness. I, I, if, there's, if, there's, <laughs> if there's one sport that they need to dope in, it's the curling. It's, it's like doping in maths. I mean, how does it help? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, I, what I love is that they're just they're dope for anything. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. They'll just dope. Even the judges, even the Russian judges are doping. It doesn't matter. We'll dope for anything. <laughs> literally, you make up a sport, we'll dope for it. I do. He's probably. I do, I do get the impression. I, I, I've watched a little bit of the Winter Olympics. Um, yeah. And so, uh, the I think the only thing I've watched has been the um, the half pipe, um, okay. which was incredible. I'd never seen. I just no. I'd never seen that before. It was just awesome. Um, and then watching lots of different variations of someone going down a um, a bobsled run in a tray, basically, which we we seem to be very good at. Um, yeah. yeah. Typical yeah. British fashion. Um, 
but they, it, it, there's a difference between the, the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics in the sense that I think in the Winter Olympics, they don't have as many sports, so they start making up stuff. Yeah. I mean, some they... of the things are just ridiculous. Some of them are brilliant. Like when, they all, like when they have like those snowboard races, those are awesome. That's stuff straight out of uh, like Bond, uh, you know, chase type things. Are those the ones, ones where they all crash out? Yeah, absolutely. And then, but then there's other ones you're like, really? Really? I mean, yeah, come on. Come on, guys. Like, the Russians are going, yeah, we'll dope this one. Another one. Another one for us to dope. Well, I think they're just doping out Alleg- solidarity allegedly, now. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> doping out I solidarity. We... Does, does that mean Serbia are doping? Serbia are doping. Because they always do it in the Eurovision. They always vote for each other in, in solidarity. <laughs> they're all doping out of solidarity. I love that. Ban us all. But... Ban us all. Go on. I dare you. But I've, I've not actually seen any of it yet. I've, I've been told a few things about cheerleaders and, and various other things. But, I mean, is it is it good Olympics? Oh, it seems to be going great. People keep going on. So my dad kept going on. He goes, uh, yeah, the, oh, you want to see these uh, these North Koreans, all the fans and stuff cheering in unison. I'm like, yeah, under pain of death, Dad. Under pain of death. Yeah. They're, they're literally probably holding their family at gunpoint back in, in North Korea or something. It really is that bad. Um, but, I love the fact that North Korea thinks that's a positive image for them <laughs> to give. <laughs> like, I love, I love the fact that Trump thinks we should do that as well. We need to have more <laughs> of that in our country. <laughs> but no, yeah. I, think, I think it has genuinely been genuinely been good. I think there's been like bits and pieces of controversy around um, uh, some of the events, running them when the weather's been too bad and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think it's generally been been going off well. Um, I wonder if it's going to be the same like at Sochi. You know, at Sochi, um, you know, mm. with with a little bit of doping, Russia did very well. Ended up invading Ukraine. Let's hope North Korea or South Korea don't do too well because we could like set off a new uh, a new war. Oh, I, mean, I don't think there's any risk of North Korea doing very well because <laughs> have, have they only got one athlete. Or I don't know. I think they're all. I mean, it's hideous, isn't it? They got all those. Um, did you see that guy that um, escaped across the border a while back and they found like he had like the worst case of worms and like infections that they've ever seen on someone. I mean, like they're, they've got such malnutrition. It amazes me they can even put together a team to play anything. It's just awful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the interesting thing will be to see how many try and escape and how many actually do. <laughs> yeah, perfect opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, but then I'd imagine they, they've probably the threat of repercussions on your family and things. Mm, anyway, anyway, what a happy start. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Jodie Rainsford and this is David Hellard and welcome to the Bad Boy Running Podcast. The great thing about that discussion though, it's great for SEO purposes. It is. Oh, it is. Well, I mean, people are... It would be. It would be if we didn't release this two weeks after the Winter Olympics <laughs> finished. So is that our plan? We People who are searching for the cheerleaders they come to the podcast and they just happen to think oh i want to hear about stuff not connected to running um this is perfect for me <laughs> and they stay they stay for the i don't know what they'd stay for actually i know it's 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 the big flaw in our plan we get them here under the auspices of them being interested in something we're talking about and then somehow they lose all critical faculties and stay <laughs> yeah i think it's for the people that they start listening to it then they the doorbell goes. Then there's a fire, and and so it just keeps on rolling episode to episode. And so we just get the the download via download uh, 
whatever it's called, the ticks from uh, from them not being there to stop it. But, I mean, it could happen. It could happen. But welcome to the welcome to the podcast, listeners. This is this is a, this is a cracking podcast mainly because um, it's we, we've got we've got something to celebrate, haven't we? Oh, oh, a little bit, a little bit. Um, you mean Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day, yes. What did what did Briggsy get for Valentine's Day? As you can see, you can see what she got. <laughs> wow! If North so, Korea did florists, <laughs> so um, I I was away for Valentine's Day. Is uh, I think some of the list. Did you probably did you buy them beforehand and just leave them in a cupboard or something? <laughs> Well, I I thought I'd be quite sweet. I, I, I don't generally buy flowers for anyone because I think they're just um, just a poor uh, equivalent to actually putting some thought into something. But um, I was away, so I ordered her some flowers only to then discover that she wasn't actually in the country either. So she um, she received the flowers. Do you live together? We do, we do. But I hadn't realised that she was away for work because it was in my you know ten days oh. of me being away and therefore hadn't given any thought to anyone else at all david david away for work on valentine's day it's the classic excuse oh in fact she's just walked in now jodie is is debating whether you are actually away for work on valentine's day she went to gibraltar the the sun laden isle of uh of gibraltar so wow uh, you can go to go to the nags head for for the chips and gammon steak or something well due to um due to colleagues she has to drink eat curry every night um, <laughs> when she's there apparently genuine genuine thing but um yeah i i sent the flowers and her her colleague pete apparently texted to say you've got flowers and then just left them in the box that they were and so uh, didn't put them in water didn't, didn't do anything like that so uh, when she got there she's like oh great dave's bought me dead flowers it's uh, so good of him so, so wonderful so, as you can see, here they are. The beautiful flowers I paid thousands of pounds for. Thousands. Oh, oh so, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'd be worried about... Uh, who, what's, this guy, what's this other guy called? Pete. Pete. I'd be worried about Pete. He's tried to sabotage you there, hasn't he? Clever. Did you think about that, colleague? Oh, yeah. No, th- I mean, the real secret is uh, I planned it all along. I just sent the f- dead flowers. <laughs> <laughs> So much, so much cheaper. I like the way you got all quiet there. <laughs> she just left the room. She might be hearing. She might still be listening. <laughs> okay, man. Right, let's get on to the threat. So, Somaliland. This oh. is what this episode is about. Somaliland. So, well, before we go into Somaliland, any any news from your side to report? Have you been, you know, sub four challenge? Are you feeling like you're progressing? Um. I the the results. We'll talk about the results uh, of my um, St Mary's experiment um, in another episode. But uh, they ha- it has dramatically affected how I I am training now, and Ooh. and I have I have I have I, I still don't think I'm going to do it. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Actually, I think I will. <laughs> oh, and when, when you say it, dramatically I, affected. Well, because um, I, the thing that it's highlighted for me is yeah. that my 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 rate of perceived exertion is completely off. I think oh. that I am working a lot harder than I am because I I sweat loads. <laughs> I do. I honestly do. I might because 
If we Are you if, sat on the couch going, Whoo, oh, oh, <laughs> I went through the door earlier. Whoa, it's gotta be hundred calories. Right, so well I was running I was running um at this heart the, the level of heart rate I was supposed to be running um mm. uh, before, um based on incorrect heart rate zones. And it felt like I it didn't feel like I was doing anything. Um, but I mm. thought, okay, well, that's fine. Uh, it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything because we're going so slow. It's obviously building up some sort of aerobic base and everything. Now, if I run um, to, uh, if I run a little bit quicker um, to where it said on the um, on my on my heart rate zones, it, it feels pretty hard. I feel like I'm running pretty hard in what what he has deemed the easy zone. Um, Interesting. But actually, when I think, and I'm sweating and I look terrible and, um, uh, you know, but actually my my legs feel fine, my chest feels fine, everything feels fine. It's just, it just sort of feels all horrible and very fast and um, it's all, so it, I, I, I fear that my, I don't know, this might just be what happens when you, when you aren't as well tuned into your body, that I now have it on black yeah. and white that my body can handle a lot more than I'm putting it through. It can handle That's faster really speed. Interesting. And actually, because I, I do sweat loads, I feel I I said. So you're saying you're a bit soft, basically. I think essentially, essentially, I think scientifically, the proof is that I am a bit soft. <laughs> I'm abs- that I'm actually a hero, and I've been a bit soft. Wow. Um, I mean, that's. It's, it's almost the worst news you can find. <laughs> it's the worst news. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is going to be hard from now on. Your easy runs are now going to feel yeah, horrific. <laughs> absolutely. I, that, I, mean, I mean, like, there, there was not a single element of redeeming quality about... <laughs> I tell you what, I thought all of this would be great. I thought we'd get our DNA test. I thought we'd get, I'd get all these things from St Mary's. And what's it turned out? It's turned out that I've got, I've got plenty enough uh, natural ability to be able to do this, to be able to run fast and everything. And also, it turns out that I'm not even getting close to doing that because it feels too hard. Yeah, but, you know, you get a burnt steak out, who's winning life then, eh? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, wow. I mean, that is fascinating that especially when you've when you were doing your tests, one of the wasn't one of the tests, your perceived uh, your perception of effort. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, but at the higher rates, I, I was OK at the higher rate. Yeah. OK. But when I'm doing what we class as an easy run. Mm. It's much harder. I don't know. I always found I found like that um, I. And I think I did this in the on the test. I went from what seemed to be really, really easy, and it mm. like jumped up half the scale after a certain um, after a certain uh, speed or whatever. And then it actually sort of got it sort of leveled out a bit before getting really, really hard um, as the as the test went on, or, or the VO two max one. Yeah. So it's weird. My like my perception of of, of difficulty. Um, there's there's like a, a big gap. It goes it goes like from really really easy, which and mm. that's why that's why I had the test done because it felt too easy. I felt there must be something in between this easy and what is now relatively hard. I think it's yeah. quite, it feels like quite hard, but I don't know. Maybe it's just a case of um, my body will get used to it and I, I will start feeling used to it. But the the the, the other thing was that, that's been really useful about having it done in this scientific way is the fact that even though I feel 
when you when something feels hard and you think oh yeah it feels like now I have no reason I can say to my mind and my body um there's you're not doing any damage there's nothing here that's bad it's just it just feels bad that you're not yeah. actually doing anything so there's no reason for you to stop you're not doing any permanent damage to any part of your body your heart or your lungs or anything else like that it feels bad because that is the gift that you've been given Jody. and do you think that makes it easier to carry on and, I think and it does deal I think with it does. That yeah or yeah okay. i think so um but it, it, it puts me i mean it it, it shows that actually I've, I've kind of wasted the amount of time that i've had training um because mm. i've been working at the wrong levels so it's can i pull it back i think if i if so the, so the other worry is now because I'm training because the the training I, I is is a little bit harder um I, it feels mm. a bit harder <laughs> um I do start I have having my more niggles where as I wasn't before so like knees starting to hurt hips starting to hurt a little bit a little bit of back pain but then they all sort of go I don't know whether it's mm. just a result of that um so I was like I started having niggles but I think if if I can carry on with this um uh slightly more accelerated way of doing it for the what are we now eight weeks seven eight mm. weeks away if i can do that without any problem i think it's i think it's doable i think it's possible ish okay yeah i think if, and if everything goes right on the day and everything else is fine and they don't run out of water and stuff like that i think it is doable i think we're in the realms of doable i think if anything upsets that then yeah. that's a that's a no Okay, I mean that's good that you and I did say I thought you you would be back in the game. It's good to hear that it's possible. Because I was running, I was running. This was the thing I was concerned about. I was running far too. So I was running where I should have been according to all the formulas mm. and everything. And I was just thinking, I'm. This is going to take years. It's going to take years and years of me doing this in order to be, become fast enough to be able to do it. And um, actually it shows just how you know how you sometimes you just need to get something like that done if you if you if you've always yeah. known that something's been slightly wrong um or things have been off or you have that feeling so in one way my intuition was right but my weak mind who is scared of doing anything with any exertion isn't doesn't it's gonna it's gonna ha- it's gonna get a real shock now yeah yeah and, and i think partly because you've been away from lots of training for a while I, I do think you train yourself to get used to the discomfort well I wonder whether that happens or like if you don't remember that because that probably happened loads when you know in the early days before you started mm. doing like decent like high mileages and stuff and that probably you know I, that probably a lot of people when they when they start in their little running career they feel all that right at the start and because I've you know it's like I'm I'm being reborn into running <laughs> because now I'm running at the, at the speeds I should be running at and just, um, but cause I've never had anyone there to tell me, you know, you're running too fast or too slow or you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be sweating that much. That's unusual. That's a huge amount of sweating, Jody. You look ill. I do mm. look terrible when I like, when I'm <laughs> running before, before when I was doing it really slowly, I was thinking, yeah, got off the treadmill. I think I'm feeling quite fresh. I love the fact that this is, you know, this is, this is helping give me aerobic workout and stuff. This is great and everything. Yeah, I could do this. I could do this forever and not get injured. Um, but actually, uh, it turns out that that, that I mean, that, that was probably doing something, but yeah. it's not going to do enough to get me, um, so forth. So the thing is, so what I know this is that 
I think it's now a possibility that I might do sub four at Brighton, a possibility. Yeah. Um, but then I know that it's a definite I'll do it this year. Yeah, yeah. Definite. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm really pleased that even though it's a little bit slow, I'm now at that situation where um, I, uh, I, I, I think it's possible. And it could be transformative as well, just having that ability to run faster. And also the good thing is, in terms of time, it, you don't have to spend as long on your long runs anymore. If you're able to push a lot harder and still be in your easy zone, I know for you that is an issue, uh, finding the time to train hard. Where So if you're able to take 30 seconds off every single mile, uh, you're saving 10, 15 minutes on your long runs. That's great. Yeah, yeah. The the thing is, just doing the easy one uh, has felt really hard. So, mm. and so when I've done the hard ones, it feels hard. So everything seems to be just really different, <laughs> different gradations of really hard. <laughs> yeah, interesting. It, I mean, I, oh, I, but I'm much, but it's all it's all a lot quicker. So it's good. Mm. But I don't know. It's just it's a weird realization. It's one to come to quite late, I think, as well. Um, but yeah, well, let's see. Let's see how it goes. I wonder yeah, if there's other be, people it, who, who feel the same way about their training that, you know, they've, because, you know, we sh- I should be able to do a, a sub four, sub four, you know, with the amount of running that I've done, I should have been able to conquer that much earlier. Mm. Um, there's no real reason why not, but it just turns out that I've just not been running fast enough <laughs> the whole time. And that's, yeah, and that's the thing, once you get used to, if you're, if what if what you now find quite hard as yeah. your easy run becomes background noise, that's so good for when you actually go to your marathon day because if you're going into it currently and your slow run feels hard, you're never going to be able to run your marathon pace for 26 miles because that's <laughs> going to feel so fast and so hard relative to your easy pace. So you almost need to train yourself up for that discomfort um, as much as possible because in reality, you should be able to start running a math and, and get through to 16, 18 miles without any discomfort whatsoever. And uh, if you can't do that for your easy pace currently, there's no way you'd do it for your math. <laughs> no, so, no, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, back to well, talking about the trip then. Before, before we talked about the trip, what I wanted to talk about actually. So I, I got some of the Nike Vaporfly. Oh, um, yeah, okay. So background, and, background for anyone that doesn't know about the Nike Vaporfly. So Nike Vaporfly are, I didn't get the 4%, um, or I think they're called the 4.0 or what, similar. Are these, um, the ones, are these the ones that are using the sub-2? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So these are the ones that Kipchoge use where supposedly they've got a spring in the heel. They, they're not 4% quicker. They're meant to be 4% more efficient. And so they can have potentially a massive impact on your time. And I, I got a pair, I got sent a pair of, or given a pair of the, the Vaporfly, which are the same design. So they're, I think, a little bit like hockers in that they, they're quite chunky and they force your, you to tilt forward slightly. Oh, really? Um, but these haven't got, they're not quite to the same extent, but you, you certainly are angled in a slightly different way because of the shoe. Um, I mean, they look, I haven't got a pair here, but they, they do look chunky. Um, and, I've got the ones without the coil in the back, the spring in the back. Um, and I just wanted to try them out because I thought I'm going out to do a math. And if these good things are as good as they say, I want to use them for comrades, yeah. comrades. And another American out there, he calls it comrades as well. 
So um, it must be a transatlantic thing. But um, yeah, I uh, I wanted to try them out, and so I thought I need I really need to race them in a marathon to see how they are. Yeah. But I'm not going to take them to the marathon unless I've actually run in them. So I went out for one of my hill sessions in them, and um, they it's the first pair of trainers I've ever worn that I can't wear. What? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I um. What, so, what do you mean you can't wear them? As in, I I never get blisters. I I never have issues with hot spots, anything like that. Every pair of trainers I've ever worn has always been absolutely fine. And what uh, what trainers do you normally wear? Um, anything from Innovate to Adidas to so I've got a pair pretty, of pretty broad range of trainers. So Kenny yeah. Brooks, Asics. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had I basically wear any pair of trainers that's free. So. <laughs> <laughs> did you have to pay slightly for these is that what made them blister it's like <laughs> yeah my feet knew <laughs> but really i mean i i, I want to go in and, and check um on maybe they're sl- as half a size too small i don't think they are but i went out and i was running this hill and within four miles i was getting massive heat under what? my foot to the extent that you know when you th- your your socks sometimes falls and gets hooked and you it ends up under your foot yeah. it felt like that um i had to stop running because i was feeling these blisters physically forming in a what? massive heat on the way up um so and it's such a shame because on the way down it they're so fast they propel you forward so quickly um so i was i was doing something called the bum burn which is my my new local hill that i've set up it's about two miles one mile up one mile down um it's it's not massively steep but it's it's pretty it's 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 fairly intense and so running up and down is an incredible workout so i was doing it four times and even though i was doing it four times i was beating my downhill time so when i just do it once because of the train and they must be so springy or something or just the fact that the angle and so oh my god i'm so desperate to be able to wear them for a race but especially Comrades is 4,000 meters of descent. So 4,000 meters where, you know, I'm not working and absolutely smashing it down. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what to do now. I'm, I think I'm going to go back to the Nike studio and, and wear them and say, look, is this because they're the wrong size? Um, I've had this, not injury, but I've, I've been having issues with my left leg. So I've been going to like six physio and they've, they've been giving me some exercises to do for my back. Um, and it's my left foot on this, so I don't know whether maybe it's all related and maybe I'm running oh, in a slightly okay. weird way. So I want to go and, and actually get it tested out on a treadmill to find out is it some way I'm now running because of this slight problem in my left leg or am I just unlucky with, with Nike Vaporfly or they're the wrong size or because I'd so love for them to be good. But um, I know quite a few people who've been buying them, like Rich, um, Rich has bought them to try and go sub 230. And he's had to pay a huge amount of money because you can't buy them in the shops anymore. That the 4.0, they're they're sold out. So he's having to buy from private. Has dealers. Tom Dark got any? That's the question. Has Tom <laughs> Dark, well, as long as if you know if Tom Dark has to steal them, that'd be brilliant if we lend him a pair just for his race. But um, yeah, I really want to know about how they fit compared to other shoes because if you're having to spend 350 quid on a pair of trainers and you're buying them from a, a private individual. They're probably not going to give you a refund because they rub a little bit. Yeah. And so you're essentially taking a 350 pound risk. 
um, with no return policy. So, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to talk about that. Before oh, my. Would you be willing to lose a toe in order to, to make them fit? That's the question. Oh, have you? I mean, that actually, I wanted to talk about this at the end, but now you say that, have you, have you seen about the, what's happened with um, losing toes and things in the, I think it's the, the is it 3366? Six six three three, six six three three. I'll just yeah. check it's the right race. It's um, six three three six. It's a combination of sixes and threes in some order. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's the it's one up bit, the road, isn't it? You basically go up a road. Um, I don't know. Actually, it's the one that um, Larry did. I think. Yeah, it's just on a road. You basically run up an icy road for forever. So um, basically, six six three three. From what I understand, it's a very, very long race, kind of 350 miles, and you're self-supported. You're, you're, you're oh, well, that's um, a bit, so, that's a bit there, man. Uh, there's, there's oh, yeah, it's you, you pull your sled and you're self-supported, and I don't know if there are even that many checkpoints. that They've got you on GPS. They can monitor that. I think there's a way of contacting you, but you... Um, you're, you're pretty much out there by yourself. So there's this guy called Kevin Weber, who I did MDS with, who is an utter hero. He's got um, he's he's got terminal cancer, and in the last 18 months, he's been doing some of the most unbelievable challenges. Um, I think he obviously wants to raise money um, for it, but I, I think actually part of it is, you know, what do you do when you, you you've you've got this bad news? Um, and when he's doing these races, you know, it's the most he feels alive. He doesn't think about it. So he's going out to do it um, in two weeks. And um, the previous people who've entered, uh, who've raced it. So there's a picture they've got of, um, in fact, it was the, the Yukon Arctic Ultra. Have you heard of that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that one. Yep. So, so not the six six three three. So apologies, six six three three organisers. Well, they've, um, you, they've, they've been given some uh, publicity. They have, they have indeed. So, um, but the Yukon Arctic Ultra. There's a photo of um, of a foot, and it's looking like this guy's going to lose his two middle toes. Um, and, I mean, his big toe looks pretty bad. One of the other competitors, he um, he was found having unclipped from his um, his sled. They think it was probably because of hypothermia, because when hypothermia kicks in, you, you actually stop thinking. Yeah. Um, and I believe he was also found without his shoes and gloves on, and it's oh looking God. like he's going he's to lose both feet and both hands. And obviously friends and family are going mental about it um, because you know, they... they understandably uh, horrified by it and, and feel that, that there must be a reason why this has happened. But um, really, really interesting to, you know, where does, where does responsibility lie when people are doing something that is so dangerous anyway? Um, and they go into it knowing the risks and the rules are set out in what's supported. And if someone unclips from their, from their GPS tracker essentially and goes wandering off, I mean, well, but the, the thing with the thing with these, isn't it, is that a lot of them don't have like prerequisites. You don't have to have proved that you've done certain races of this type or or, or, or things like it. That's that's the, that's the problem, isn't it? At least with um, a certain amount, you know, certain races like UT, uh, UCMB and um, 
Western states, you need to get points to do it. You need to, or you need to have proved, you know, like if you try to do mm. bad water, you need to prove to them that you have had experience in similar situations and with different things. And, uh, you know, and it's quite, that's not a difficult thing for a race organiser to do, to put those conditions in, um, to make sure that, you know, you have had that. The, the difficulty is, you know, Arctic experience is a, is a difficult one because that, you know, most people are not going to have run a race in the Arctic or something beforehand. Yeah. That is it's different with, you know, races in the heat and everything. It, it's so it's so different in those conditions. Yeah, it's, I mean, and that's the thing. It's really interesting where, um, you know, where where does the responsibility lie? Because you can quite easily say that people are, um, are going into it with both eyes open. But then again, it's very hard to really portray. I think people in general are optimists and naive and um well, you don't just, know you just the thing is with that you just don't know what you don't know do you you have no yeah, how, you know, yeah. how do you even comprehend what it's like to be cold you know i it's it, when when um when you compare um like hit like situations where there's extreme heat or or jungle or you know any of those extreme situations the human body has the ability to to cope with most of those but that those arctic conditions is is something that's completely different that that is not a natural environment for humans to be in and so yeah. just there's no there's just there's, there's no way of preparing yourself for it if you don't know and being able to pick up on the fact that you're hypothermic is unless you've i mean once you've done something it's very obvious to easy to kind of think back and be like oh this is happening again but yeah um it's oh I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever do a race like that myself where you're, so much is put into your own hands. Uh, and you think about what what Ali was saying last time about the dangers of going into the Mongol 100 unprepared. Yeah. But that is where you're on an ice sheet where you're only going 30 miles in one direction and yeah. there are people all around you. This is where you'll be going five, six days without seeing a single soul. Um, and so the, the chance that something could go wrong is, is so high. Um, and the chance that just, just unknown random factors influence what happens as well. It's yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether this, you know, how much of an impact this has on signups on the types of race. I mean, there's no kind of authority to, to actually, it's, try and regulate these races but it's like the thing is isn't it it's like but no you know in previously it's been going a long time the um the arctic ultra and there's not been there's not been a problem with it um and i think that's just going to be the that's the side effect of things getting more popular um but like it's like everest i suppose there's so many people that that climb everest now yeah but forget that actually the the, the like the the, the death rates pretty high yeah um but but because so many people do it and they see photos from it and it just it feels as though it's a it's a doable thing now because everything feels doable Um, i think when something has a website that you just pay an amount of money to do it it suddenly feels like it is a it's just a package tour oh yeah absolutely absolutely. if you yeah if you to basically to do something if you had to organize your own sherpas if you had to organize your own you know you had to speak to a guy who would drive you to the start of something pay him in his local currency you know if you had to do all of that 
then that that would naturally weed out the people who are serious about it and mm. people are not. It's, mm. it's just so easy to sit there and just go, yeah, I'm signing up for that because that looks badass. Just, think, just think of the photos. And I know I'll, I'll never do Everest because from what I've I know from friends who are um, a lot more knowledgeable about Everest and about climbing than me, they have, have just said to me that there is a kind of 10, 15% chance, no matter how skilled and um, how experienced you are, that one of the ice sheets will collapse or um, in the areas where there's the crevices, it will just collapse in on you and you'll just die. Yeah. And it, there's nothing you can do about that. And, and in my head, I just think, there's nothing on earth worth doing where there's a 10, 15% chance that I may die and it's nothing to do with anything. anything with it, yeah. Control. Yeah. yeah. And that, those to me are crazy risks. And that, you know, that number might be high, the 10, 15%, but the number of people that actually die on Everest as a percentage is ridiculously high. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd like, it's interesting you say that you, you, know, you just wouldn't do anything on unnecessary risks. So let's talk about your holiday to Somalia. <laughs> 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 well, I guess risk is always a relative term, isn't it? It's, risk is a risk is a, a term that we ignore. But yeah, I mean, what a trip! Wow. Um, right before you start, mm. we need some background here. Right. So, one, what is Somaliland? The only time I've ever heard you really mention it <laughs> is when you were randomly inviting guests to do it. I don't think that we, I don't think we've ever really discussed why you went to Somaliland. Or even what Somaliland is? I, is it? Is it? Did it used to be part of Somalia? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, and I didn't know anything until it popped up. So, if you've um, if you've not listened to the Afghanistan, have a listen to that one. So, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I went to Afghanistan with a group called Untamed Borders, and they put on the first marathon there. Same group, Untamed Borders, uh, who do, okay. yeah, they, they do trips to to areas. Seldom trod, should we say, to uh, pass Seldom trod, and they mentioned in one of the newsletters we're going to do the first Somaliland trip. I thought that sounds quite interesting, actually. So Somaliland actually is the birthplace of Mo Farah. Oh, is it? So it. Wait a minute. Was he from Somalia? Hmm. And so yeah. is it? So is it? What was it part of Somalia, or was it a part of Somalia, or what is it? Is it? A, is it a country of its own? Yeah, so it was part of Somalia, and then in 1991, they broke away. Oh, okay. And so it's to the north of Somalia. Um, there's, you might have heard of Puntland. It's another breakaway state. Um, and they've got really good relationships with Ethiopia, uh, Somaliland do. And so since 91, Somalia has been an absolute hellhole yeah. where there's just been civil war. There have been foreign interests. You, you know, you've seen the films like Black Hawk Down. Um, that are all about the area, and Mogadishu is, as you know, if you've read the incredible, <laughs> the incredible did you? Film. Domini, Domini, Domini by Edward Simmons. <laughs> did you? Did, did you read? Did you read Domini first, but in order to prepare yourself for yeah. for the horrors of Mogadishu? Yeah, I should have. So I didn't actually. That's the interesting thing. So um, Somaliland is has been surviving by itself in relative peace since 1991 um, but it's not recognized as an, in as an independent country kind of in the same way that Barca, uh, sorry, that Spain said they wouldn't recognize 
Scotland's application to join the EU if they became independent. Similarly, in um, in Africa, there's a lot of countries that have um, independence movements within their own country. And so they're not prepared to recognize Somaliland as an independent state um, for fear that it would you know, add fuel to the uh, the causes of other um, other attempts to break away from their own countries. So, yeah, they've lived as, as this country with um, no international recognition, which might not seem like a big deal to, to, to most people, but it means that they're not able to get IMF loans, nothing they can't work with a bank, even things like... Um, so there's this beautiful set of cave paintings, which potentially could be the very first proof of the very first civilized society on earth um, and they can't get unesco protection because unesco can't recognize somaliland as a country and somalia wouldn't take funding to give to somaliland unless somaliland except that somalia is um is the same country and then says all these politics so it, it means that they can't get any aid whatsoever from anyone um but they've they've while they've had skirmishes on their border with kind of punt land and that they've been this independent state essentially um living responsibly and you know, thriving by themselves so um when you say to people you're going to somaliland in their head they're thinking you're going to mogadishu which has been at civil war and just um really really dangerous place with huge amounts of terrorism somaliland's got the bigger army they've got good, they're good mates of ethiopia who are pretty much a powerhouse in the region and uh yeah so i was like that actually sounds pretty cool you can go and see these caves can run a marathon in eastern europe sorry in eastern africa and uh go via ethiopia as well so uh yeah does that explain it that does explain it that's really that's really good i hope the thing is you should have just told people yeah i'm going to somalia and like, <laughs> oh man that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just gonna make the situation even, even just slightly worse Sending hell out. <laughs> Sending hell out. But yeah, even before I got there, I had four days in Ethiopia. Oh yeah, and amazing. That was incredible. So um, on, what did you say? What did you do? How did you talk us through landing? And so who? Where'd you fly? You flew. You got freebies from Ethiopia. Wait a minute. Wait, are you writing something <laughs> for someone? Who, how, how are you funding this? Is this, yeah. is this for a magazine or something? Yeah. So I've. I've um, I'm going to be writing for Men's Running Magazine. And they've given me a little bit of cash, but yeah, not very much. And but Air Ethiopia, um, Ethiopian Airlines, right. they they've given me free flights to write for their magazine. Um, I just wrote to them and said, "Look, you've got this route to Somaliland. No one knows where it is or what you know why you should go. So, what better excuse to uh, to publicise the country and the routes you've got than a marathon that I'm running?" And so they were like, "Sure, okay." So uh, we managed to blag free flights with them with a stopover in Addis. But um, even at, well, my, my favourite my favorite part, as I got off the plane, you've got to get your, um, you get your visa. Yeah. You can have a walk-in visa. And fill out various forms, talk to people, and they then take your passport, put it through to this other section, and you walk around and pick up your passport. So I walked around and the guy was like, hey, you've got your passport. So I walk up to him and he gives me this passport and like, uh, yeah, no, no, it's not me. Look, look at the pictures, not me. He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and he gets his other photo. He's like, ah, oh, is this you? <laughs> and I'm, the guy's Mongolian. <laughs> and, he, 
like, look, I've got white hair. And he literally couldn't tell the difference between anyone white at all. And so the whole phrase of like, they all look the same to us. I hadn't realized quite how true that was. <laughs> and it's becoming quite funny after a while because five or six people who were between the age of 20 and 60 of different regional uh, and then kind of <laughs> ethnic looks, he thought they were all me. Um, so I quite enjoyed that. But um, yeah, I came to, into Ethiopia. I, I've never really run at altitude properly before. Right. Have you, have you, have you tried it? Um, I, well, the only time I've run it in it with any sort of altitude is when I run across the Alps. Um, mm. and that was really difficult. Um, really, it's just, yeah, you, you could barely do anything cause I just wasn't used to it at all. Crazy. So I got there and part of the attraction was Ethiopia, obviously home of running to a certain extent. And they've got a, a real running culture in the city and they had this area called Mescal Square where everyone goes to train in the mornings and the evenings. It's, um, it's, it's like, tra- well, it's, it's essentially training in the busiest junction in the whole of Ethiopia. What? Yeah. It's just horrific car fumes, but then on the side of it, there's then an arc where you can run along the different tracks of the arc. And so they all go there and do that because while there are running tracks, for some reason they don't go there. Um, yeah, so I kind of ran along to Mesa Square and oh my God, even I'd, I'd always been aware that if you're at altitude, it affects your breathing yeah. and your, your ability to take in oxygen. But I didn't realize how quickly it would build up lactic acid in your legs. Horrific. So I, I was trying to do a, a, a tempo session, so an interval session, and 200 meters in, I was already struggling, which is insane. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's such a cool place to to go to see runners because, unlike, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite what I was expecting in that you you got people of all ages and all sizes were running to go and train there, and I just assumed it would be people who thought that running was their way out, um, and were good enough that they thought if I train hard, this could be my job, this could be my way of prize money. But no, it is it's genuinely just part of their culture now and they they absolutely love it. Um but yeah, I uh, I went hashing on the the second day. Oh yeah, okay. Amazing. They meet at the Hilton, a kind of mix of um Westerners in their thirties to sixties and then quite a few locals as well. And just running along there, one of the girls, she's got a 10-mile time of 54 minutes. Say that again. One of the girls, she, she's got a 10-mile time of 54 minutes. Right, okay. And, I mean, as a hasher as well. If you get a hasher over there. <laughs> what? What? In there's some places you should never go. There's just some places you should never go. People you should never mix with. Yeah, actually, that's the thing. When you go out there, it's when you realise how bad a runner you are. Because they'd always... <laughs> I, I, I'd meet people and they're jogging like, oh, you're a runner, are you? But like, yeah, and they go, oh, have you run in the Olympics? <laughs> uh, n- n- no. And like, are you as quick as Gabo Haibi Selassie? Uh, no. And then I kind of think, um, have you, uh, have you heard of Man V Mountain? (laughs) (laughs) But basically, unless they all just assume because you're a runner, you must be incredible. And then when you're not, they're just like, oh, 
everyone I know is like an Olympian. You're like, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I love that. Everyone I know is qualified for the Olympics. Why haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But um, it was so interesting talking to her. I mean, the fact that she was hashing was crazy because they, we were running out on the hills and they, they we weren't running on paths. You're just running wild. And so, I mean, big, big uh, opportunity to turn your ankles, uh, which I was just nervous about. And for someone of her caliber to be doing that, I just thought fair play. But she, um, really interesting, she spends three months training in, uh, in the hills of Addis. And then she goes to the Netherlands for three months, wins all their races, all the prize money, and then comes back. But she, she originally did that with this, this coach who took her out there. And then at the end of the three months, having won pretty much every race she'd done, he gave her 25 euros as the, the difference between the costs and the prize money. So she's now in this position where she, she's gone back independently, but she's kind of not really sure what to do because she, she can make a bit of money that way. Yeah. But there's, there's no real point in racing in, in Addis Ababa because it will just get you into a club. And she was saying already that uh, she, she hasn't got any sponsors at all. And um, already she knows of one club where she suspects the whole club are doping. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and she, um, she has seen people get faster than her who, you know, so quickly that, the, you know, there's only one reason why that could be. And so she's in this really awkward position where she can make a bit of a living by traveling to the Netherlands and, and doing that. But, um, she really wants to, 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 you know, to improve and make that massive step change. She really needs to have a, a, a good coach to have proper training. And, um, but then if the only, only options for you are, you know, do I do what everyone else does? I mean, it's so hard, so hard. Oh but, my um, God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've, I mean, I've, I've no idea what that says for the state of Ethiopian running, you know, it's, but um, wow. Yeah. Crazy to think she hasn't even got a sponsor and she's because apparently the, the companies in the Netherlands only want to sponsor someone who actually lives there and yeah. is based and is based there full time, uh, which to me is crazy. I mean, I guess she probably needs to, build a social media presence and but still to be able to run kind of 54 she's looking for 53 for 10 miles um is it's, it's crazy rapid and so um yeah i i, I mean I, I i gave her my card and i want to get her some sponsors because there must be companies out there who'd be happy to sponsor her um but i, I just think it'd be interesting to keep keep um in contact with her and see how things progress and how she, um, you know, what she decides and what the pressures are. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, but yeah, so that was that was Ethiopia and uh, shipped out to Somaliland. Right. And uh, got there and most people, I knew most people who'd be running the marathon would be Westerners, so you kind of meet them all. Yeah. And you're all, you're all being coy. You're all like, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, oh yeah. But, and so most people there have run marathons before. You know, where else would you go to Smiland to run one? Yeah. But no one really wants to go, how fast are you? 
but you, you're all intrigued because everyone at the back of their mind is thinking, oh, I want to do well in this. Well, um, that's a problem. It's a problem, isn't it? Now that you are a celebrity, people <laughs> know. People know about you. It's, and you don't have the advantage there anymore. Yeah, but then again, no one, no one seemed to... I don't think anyone could be bothered to Google anyone or... Um, so Are you saying that they weren't listeners? They are. Oh, I, I can't believe one. They are now, obviously. <laughs> yeah. That's it's it. Really... We're, just, we're just person by person going to different countries, persuading <laughs> people to listen to the podcast. Well, I mean, I got, I got a, um, a specially branded up two times you um, bad boy running top. I wondered where you got that top from. I'm like, where, I'm like, where did you get the Poundland toy, the, 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 the top from? It looked like it was what a toy. about? Well, it, it, it looked like you'd had it done, like literally in a in a market the day before you got out there. To, to be fair, I did I did choose the wrong font. It wasn't <laughs> as good a font. I, that's purely my fault. Um, yeah, because I the one I've got, I, my bad boy running tops uh, torn to shreds pretty much now. Um, so yeah, I spoke to Mike at uh, two times you who do give me kit and stuff, and like, can you can I get a, a logo that one? So they sent that. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was really interesting talking to everyone and um, and getting a sense of, of what the culture is in Somaliland. And there was only going to be about 20 of us from uh, Westerners running the marathon. Okay. But, but then the day before, anyone could sign up. So up to 200 people. So and that's, turned, quite, that's quite normal, isn't it? That's quite normal with a lot of these international marathons, isn't it? They, that's what happens with Sierra. That's what happened with Afghanistan, didn't it? Yeah, I think so because I mean it's it's really interesting the way they're organised because nothing really is ever confirmed, and it's the type of thing that people might agree to. And you're talking to the sports minister yeah. and various like the you know the the tourism minister things like that, but you don't know. It could just be one person changes their mind, or something slightly strange happens, and so. We all get. We all went there knowing the marathon route was never going to be set and could change at any time, and um, and you, you, you know, even even the the time could change or the date could change or, but yeah, we had they had two hundred people. It was great actually. They had two hundred people sign up the day before, queues outside. Really? Um, yeah, people being turned away, and and we were walking around and people were talking. You, I could hear them say, "Oh yeah." Somaliland Marathon, so that people actually knew there was a race going on, and there was a buzz about it, which was quite oh, wow. cool. And uh, there weren't quite as many women who signed up as as I probably hoped. So there were none for the marathon. Um, and actually, as as Arabic countries go, um, the they're pretty cool. Um, like the, the women there will speak to you and come and like they're quite ballsy yeah. and will come and uh, and give you banter and stuff without you even having talking to them. So that. That might just be you, man. They might be going, this could get me, this could get me religious persecution, but you're worth, <laughs> worth it. it. You're it's worth, worth it. <laughs> but yeah, compared to Afghanistan or even the Middle East, yeah, yeah, amazing. And that, that made me love the country even more because you, um, it's, it's got to be a great sign of the people themselves, of the women are like that. It, it reflects on the men as well. Um, but yeah, I was, I was kind of getting into it thinking, I want to win this. But you never know what the locals are like. And what's amazing is I didn't realise how typical Mo Farah looks for, a, for someone from Somaliland. <laughs> oh, really? 
there's so there's about five or six people who weren't this some were almost the spitting image of mo but just his everything about how he looks is the he must have some very like lots of cousins or because i was walking around like holy crap look at this dude look at this dude and a lot of them have a similar physique anyway so um i was i was trying to take pictures of people without them realizing because uh yeah just because just i wanted people to believe me and not to think once again that it's me thinking what people look but yeah the um we kind of came to race day and uh there'd been about seven or eight uh locals sign up for the marathon yeah which, uh, which is pretty cool because I don't think they'd ever run a marathon before, uh, any of them. And actually, the day before when we were talking to them, the, the brilliant thing is I, I don't think many of them really understood that much about – well, that's, that's it. in the West, we all have a concept of what a marathon is, like a genuine concept. Yeah. And we've heard, even before you race it, you've heard from friends, you've seen, you've read yeah. about hitting the wall, about – how you get to 18 to 22 miles and you know you're you're depleted of carbs and and having to take gels and this this is just all common knowledge with people who aren't even running i i don't think it is you don't think it is yeah i don't think it is at all i i i don't think it is i think Mm. all the whole hitting the wall and stuff like that i i would even suggest some first-time marathoners wouldn't even know even if they've read stuff and everything were still a little bit unaware of what all that was I don't, I just, okay. I don't, yeah, I think it, it astounds me how having conversations with people, how, you know, if you're not into it, then you just don't know. Um, but yeah. what, so what, so what you're saying that, that, that a lot of these people who entered into it didn't just had no real idea of what was about to hit them. Well, I think in general, the, I mean, the great thing is everyone before was coming up to me and talking to me and being really friendly, but they were like, yeah, yeah. And I, I met three people who supposedly had a 28 minute 10 K time. What? Okay. Okay. <laughs> while, while I think it may be possible that someone from Somaliland could run a 28 minute 10 K, I don't think it's someone who's not a full-time professional athlete. You know, no one's that talented. No notion's that talented. Was it? Was it that guy? Was it that guy on the uh, on the treadmill? You know, the guy. Yeah, who was still, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They'd done it in. Uh, yeah, they're running on the treadmill with kilometers uh, of miles. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. Um, but the enthusiasm for it is fantastic. And so, I went there thinking, I'd I'd pretty much scoped out the other westerners. And there were a couple of people I thought were there mind games. Were there mind games being played already? Not too much, but oh, breakfast. No. The race started at six six thirty. Breakfast was at five fifteen. I thought that is brilliant. That no one's the fact that no one's complained about that means to me they're not a serious threat. Um, and then I waited to see because I, I had I brought my own breakfast out of my room. And I waited to see who didn't come to breakfast. I'm like, okay, so they're the ones who actually know what they're doing. Um, but so there were a couple of guys I thought potentially could give me a good race. But the locals, you never know. Um, and so we started off. And the, the first three miles, they just clung to me. They clearly had this race tactical being told. Because apparently they do have coaches now, a few of them. They've been told um, there might be a, you know, a reasonable runner um don't go off too quick just run with him so i was there being flanked by five somalis with a a film crew 
a photographer, a police car with a siren on, <laughs> a policeman on a bike. And I, I just felt like this is the coolest race. I, I mean, I, I felt like I was in like New York Marathon, leading yeah. the New York Marathon, because everyone's staring at you and you're just running along. Um, but the, the guys I was running with, one of them kept on going, oh, slow, slow, slow down. <laughs> slow down. So I was thinking, yeah, he's not a threat. Um, one of them was running, just holding one of those little paper Somali flags, that Somali land flags. So I thought that <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of this, whether whether that kind of shows that he's um, not a threat or whether he's <laughs> so good that <laughs> running this flag is like it's not even it's not even uh, bothering me at all. Um, and then there was another guy who was uh, who was already sweating two miles in. Um, and I wasn't, so I thought, yeah, either he's ill or he's going way too quick. But then there were there were a couple of guys who did look pretty pretty fit, pretty yeah. fast. So um, about mile, we we dropped a couple of them, and then about mile six, I uh, I went to get some water, and they hadn't been taking any water, any liquid the whole time. So I went to get this cup, and they three of them kind of stepped up together. And the one guy had been sweating. He he said a few things to the others, and they'd slowed down. So it sounded to me, it kind of seemed to me like he was the guy in charge, or he yeah. was the favoured runner, or either that he was the you know, the, the guy who was um, who was top dog. But they they'd slowed down for him. But then when I went for the water, they all sped up. And I was like, oh shit, they're, they're actually making a move, which I was pretty much loving. But at the same point, it's like, oh, um, so they went off. Um, and it just felt too fast. I I didn't really want to run flat out, but I wanted to get sub three for comrades, and I obviously wanted to win. But even that, it's like, nah, this that's too quick. And what I hadn't realised is, from about three miles to thirteen miles, it was all uphill. But you just couldn't tell because oh, really? it, was, yeah, it was it was let's say two hundred and seventy metres across the, uh, the race of inclines, so two hundred and seventy metres over ten miles. It's not that much of an incline, but it is an incline. And so I was kind of running, not really great. And these guys probably upped it by 20 seconds a mile. I was like, yeah. So I let them go. And in my head, I'd thought if there are some fast locals, they are going to be ahead at halfway. Yeah. But you never, when you're right, when you're racing, you know, you know what you've told yourself, you know, you, you forget these things and you're constantly changing what you think. And so, um, but yeah, so I, I, I was in fourth and was like, oh, bollocks. Well, it's been pretty cool so far. Who knows what happened? But I'd almost, I wouldn't say given up, but I'd accepted my position a little bit. Um, then the guy who'd been sweating, he, he flew back at about mile 10. And as I turned around, it was an out and back. As I saw them running back, um, one of them looked really comfortable and the other guy looked like he was hammering himself. Oh, really? Yeah, so I think this is a pretty good sign, um, but they're still flying. Um, and then on the way back, it was it was great because it was all downhill, and I hadn't realised that even even when I was running back. But I just felt like I was getting stronger and faster, not realising it's just it was because it's downhill. Um, and then bit by bit, I could see them reeling them in. Yeah, and the great thing was because they had these camera crew around them you could see them for, for quite far away because they, they had shut down the roads or partially shut them down. Although they, they had said 
the the thing that would stop the roads probably being closed is if the cat uh, was being delivered, which is the the drug that they get shipped in from Ethiopia. Nothing would stop that because it's it's too important yeah. for um it's 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 illegal over there. It's not like it's an illegal shipments, but like if those vans come through, yeah, you're getting out of the way. But yeah, so um I saw the first guy at about mile sixteen and a half, and but when I hit him, he then started to hobble. And I think he'd been holding on, holding on. And poor guy, uh, I, I just wanted to help him. I think he'd probably got cramp, um, but I don't think he knew what that was. He hadn't, and and that, from what I could tell from the the stewards afterwards, they didn't stop for a single drink the whole time. Oh really? Yeah. And we started at six thirty, but by about eight thirty, it was already pretty hot, um, and you know, sun was was and up. It's- dry heat or what was the what, what sort of te- what yeah pretty yeah. humid yeah oh, was it Fair, really okay yeah. and so from um yeah the sun was out at 6 30 and so by 8 30 8 o'clock even you uh we were running into the wind which is quite nice but yeah for even for those guys they've probably not run a race long enough to realize that you actually have to take on water because you can get you get through a half without having to uh to drink at all same with 10k yeah um and so kind of ticked him off i'm like okay cool i'm 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 pleased i'm on the podium second pretty cool um and the other guy was the guy from the start i thought looked pretty good uh the leader and then yeah with um took some caffeine i didn't didn't feel like i needed caffeine but i was like sod it might as well and uh and then started to really up the pace and suddenly saw the film crew right at the end of the road like like a mirage I'm like am i doing this is this just what i want to be seeing caught the guy by mile 19 and oh my as soon as i ran past him again he stopped because he i think he was so i stopped with him and like you okay mate and he i think he had cramp we'd hit the wall or something and i wanted to give him some shot blocks i wanted to give him some caffeine ah oh, that's the, that's the horrible thing where i just felt like a dick for not helping him but at the same point that competitive instinct uh, so yeah I ran on <laughs> and my um and the, I, i'd had a police driver with me the whole way yeah and he he was really he, he'd been cheering me on to the extent that i thought i reckon he's got money in this <laughs> he's too enthusiastic about me beating the local boys like it doesn't make any sense i'd love that you're going <laughs> yeah. to make me rich <laughs> yeah but the um, yeah, with, after another couple of miles, I then felt like yeah, I've, I'm feeling great now. Um, so I sent back the rest of my provisions and said, "Give this to the number two guy," um, hoping that that would restore him because I wanted to make sure that he came in second because he was a good runner. Yeah, death deserved it. But yeah, then came into the ran through the crowds and all the ever was out is amazing on the streets. They weren't necessarily cheering. They were kind of just staring at you quite <laughs> mystified by it. But, um, yeah, it came into a stadium absolutely rammed. Incredible. Where um, I thought I was running straight into the finish. So I was doing the sprint finish from outside yeah. to find out. I then had a 400-meter lap, which was pretty, you know, didn't have it in me to keep up the pace. So that was a bit of an anticlimax. But, um, yeah, um, then came in, and it was crazy there were about eight, nine film crews um, I, for an hour. I didn't have a chance to do anything other than a different interview, a different photo, different interview. Um, 
just insane. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, and it was as races go, is it was just the most incredible race I've ever done. The fact it was actually a race and that, you know, I'd I'd backed my tactics and I caught them up and and thankfully the guy did come in second and they went crazy for him. They were lifting him on his shoulders. Um, just an, such a local hero. And having having um, interviewed Alfie a few weeks ago about how yeah. he became celebrity, I didn't realise quite how big a deal this race was in the area. You know, the, the head of tourism was there, the head of sport was there, met them all, and the videos were being shared. Uh, 40,000 people were watching them. And from that moment on, every person I met knew who I was. I was getting frisked in the airport by the security guard. And he said, congrats on the marathon. And the, the taxi driver driving us to the station was stopping and beeping at people and like pointing to me in the back. And it was just crazy. Yeah. Oh. I almost wish I'd had another week there just to walk around. <laughs> I'd say the lengths that you will go to to be famous in a marathon. Going to a, going to a country that no one's heard of. And also the lengths that you go to, like you say, you you only what's it called about winning the winning the uh, rat race? Yeah, choosing cho- yeah, that's it. Choosing yeah. choosing the races that you can podium at. I mean, like the lengths you've gone to, to to achieve that. But that's amazing, man. That is brilliant. I'm so pleased. I absolutely love those photos you sent back being interviewed because I'm just thinking. I hope that's none of that's live. Oh, oh my it's god! Crazy. And and look at I'll put the video on now. Look at the. Uh, Look at the trophy. That trophy is amazing. <laughs> it looks. It, is it as cheap as it looks, or is it actually high quality? Um. Well, it so looks. It, it looks. It looks part high quality and then part laminated plastic done in a like a stationery cupboard. It's so odd. It's got a bit of sticky tape across the top. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the photos in the Facebook group, uh, listener, or on my Facebook page, it's got kind of diamante. It's a a a gold velvet. Um, stand with kind of diamantes around the bottom, then two uh, cow horns that go um, into the middle where there's a laminated Sesamoneland <laughs> flag, and then what looked like two pen, ho- pen holders. <laughs> it's what I like is they thought about how they're going to keep that like you know from gathering dust in an attic somewhere like you know, let's give let's make it functional as well yeah well it's, it's either joysticks or pens and so i mean I haven't, I haven't really got a desk but if i do that will definitely go pride of place with uh i have to get some mont blanc pens or something some qu- high quality ones to do that's it amazing. that's amazing oh god so so oh so so you had that you had that alfie feeling of this being a celeb in in the uh, in somalia how what's the population of somaliland it's about three and a half million i think three and a half million people are yeah. now huge fans of <laughs> david hellard yeah, and even Facebook friend requests and stuff like that is, is insane. But I mean, it it just made when I was running it, I was thinking so many people get um, irate about the fact they're not selected to run ma- the London Marathon. And you think, what are you playing at, worrying about running London? Like it, it's an incredible marathon, but it just doesn't 
compete in any way with the type of experience you get from going to a random place and running with local and and just seeing the the 10k the, the kids running that and the, the excitement they get and being able to mix with them and kind of chatting to all the the, the, the girls who've never run before who are you know out there in the burkas not the burkas but you know they're, they're full dress yeah. and it's just it's such it's so much more of an experience than any run at uh, road marathon I've ever done. And the same with the ones in Somaliland, same, you know, when we were out in street child too, with, um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're just, they're, they're, that was wonderful, uh, doing that. And I can, yeah, all of those type of things are, are great. Yeah. It's, it's when you get somebody where like people are really enthusiastic. I mean, I like that about London. They're enthusiastic. I, what I don't like is when you go to like any marathon where, <laughs> Like the locals aren't enthusiastic about it, um, yeah. And and you just like, well, this race has been put on for, for for this reason. But the thing is, when they got when you have like an international marathon, an international marathon somewhere where they must have this massive like swelling of um, pride about their nation because it's it's one of those yeah. opportunities, isn't it? Where it sort of puts them on the map having a having yeah. a national marathon. What's the what's the capital there? Called Hargisa. And so, I mean, I re- they're going to do it again next year, and I think next year will be. You have to amazing. defend your title. Are you going to defend your title? Oh, I don't know. If I'd be able to afford to, and and also, I think um, it'll be a good race next what? year. Actually, what? What do you mean? Haven't haven't like got, haven't you got sponsorship from local businesses there or something? <laughs> what? what, what? Well, Juba Airlines sponsored it, so who knows? If they fly me out, then hell yeah. But um, I think as well, um, the guy who was in second. If he hadn't collapsed and I was running flat out, it would be really close. And so a rematch would be quality because I, I, you know, I could probably shave 10, 10 minutes off that time. But so could he because um, he finished about six minutes behind me. But he, if he hadn't collapsed, it would be really tight. So I think it'd be quite a good race next year. But I, I think from the atmosphere and from the reaction there's been by the news agencies next year will be so, so big for the country yeah where I, I it wouldn't surprise me the president came along um and it became this really big showcase for because it's such a good pr thing for somaliland that the, i mean the fact that we're talking about it now when no one i've ever met has ever known that there is a somaliland <laughs> i love um, i love some of the coaches I, i'm sure i saw that some guy like talking to camera riding on the side of a van or something and doing yeah. like an, I mean, they were, some of those things are properly hilarious yeah and they had drones out and stuff filming it and i mean it was it's just such a cool race and they're um i mean it's it's a great country to you anyway because of the the caves and various other things but um yeah i just think listeners you if you if you stop stop worrying about like get a pb on a road and then stop worrying about these road marathons and just find because that's a great thing no one cared about their time out there because it was all about the experience because it was and, slower than mine because <laughs> it was it was inevitable but i don't think anyone out there was was worried about the actual time itself or running to a pace or and you can use that to your advantage (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's just so glorious and um the i mean i met a guy called jordan he's he he did the 10k there he's doing a half marathon in iraq and he's finishing with a marathon in afghanistan so he's choosing three of the most but i just it's so weird okay you you say that and i just find it so weird that you travel all that way to do a 10k 
it, there's something there's no there's no real difference why is the difference between doing a 10k and a marathon it's it's exertion or whatever but for me it's like i, I don't know there's there's something irrational in me that thinks if i'm going to travel that distance i want to do at yeah. least a marathon yeah no I, I i do agree with that for runners but i think he he wasn't or isn't a runner yet and he's going through the process of mm. it and so oh, okay. i think it, okay it, if they had, and it's quite a nice narrative as well, doing a 10k at the first one, half marathon at the second, marathon at the third, um, and and that's it. Was quite good because there were some people who were slightly injured or, or weren't necessarily runners who did the 10k, who had come as much for the sightseeing and the tourism section as the race. Yeah. Um, whereas the the tourism was key, but you know I was thinking about the race quite a lot. Um, you know, I wouldn't have gone without the race. There was, I think, there was there was a lot less photos this time compared with Afghanistan. Afghanistan, I don't know, was it was it less photogenic? Like normally in Afghanistan, you'd be you standing on a tank, you standing next to a man with a gun. Yeah, they just haven't come out yet. Oh, okay. Y- yeah, I mean, there there will be quite a few. I mean, the caves are insane. They um, and we we did we did quite a lot of interesting things so but i i didn't bother taking many pictures myself because my phone's so cruddy and i figured that everyone else is getting far better photos than me so i just wait to uh to see those oh okay yeah but there i mean there will be some more almost certainly and there's there's lots and lots of videos it's it's that's when yeah it's, it's really interesting to see just how many of the kids had smartphones and uh how many of them were doing their own news sites and things like that. So um, if you go on YouTube and type in Somaliland Marathon, so much footage. But the, um, the, great, yeah, the great thing is we're trying to get this running atmosphere over there. And they've all got smartphones. So actually, we don't even need to do that much. Just introduce them to Strava because I don't think they've ever heard of it. And if we set up a few Strava segments for them, like a 5K, a 1K time trial, that is going to get them out there um, racing and taking on the challenges, I think. But yeah, um, next year, sign up, sign up, people. So, so good. That's good. That's really good. I did check to see how many downloads of the podcast we had from Somaliland. And <laughs> to be honest, it's not good. It's not good. You didn't, and you didn't do a very good job. On Are there any? Um, let me just, I'll, I'll check right this second, but it's not, it's not looking good. Um, oh. let's have a look if I've got I don't know whether it, would it include it within some it says it doesn't it include just, Somalia then you've just got a Somalia two yeah it'll be Somalia two two, yeah. two, in the two. Last, two in the last month okay I mean that's that's a big improvement that's a massive life. improvement <laughs> so we did it. one from Ethiopia and two from Somalia um, I mean that is that is huge actually that's probably <laughs> <laughs> that's there's a lot more than a lot of people. We got five from Nigeria, fifteen from Egypt, two from Algeria, and fifteen from Morocco. So, in Africa, we're probably the most popular podcast, running podcast in the world. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd still imagine tour culture and uh, math and talk would probably get no. a fair few over there, sadly. No. But um, I, I thought we might have, have at they least won? have they won any races? Because I consider this a joint victory. Absolutely, <laughs> I can see it's a victory for the podcast and and for the listener I'd and say. for the listener. If you, if anyone asked yeah. if you've won a race, just say and you listen to Bad Boy Running, say yes, but only if you've got <laughs> if only you've got a t-shirt or a vest. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm now hoping that, because I, I don't know, so comrades, you have to qualify comrades. for your start point. Comrades, yeah. So I'm hoping that they'll accept this as my qualifying time. The, I mean, oh, I, is that, that's what you kept saying that. So you kept saying that, so uh, I needed to get three for, for, for comrades stroke raids. So you said that you needed to do it at a weird time marathon. And so this might possibly be, be the thing that qualifies you. Yeah, so you know, you know, with London, you estimate your time. Yeah, that you've that you're going to finish in, and so they pen you together based on that. Um, but you have to prove your time if it's sub three, I think, or uh, you're good for age. So for comrades, the actual finish time you get is based on the gun time. There's no chip time, and right. so if you start at the back, you're it might take you ten minutes. You, you know, 10, 20 minutes for you to cross the line. And that just means it's, your time's 10 minutes slower. So it's quite important to be in the first few pens. And because they want everyone to actually genuinely be the speed at comrades that in the pen, you have to qualify and prove it with a marathon or a 50K. Or a, But there's like ah. other... You can do ultras or 50Ks or things like that that prove it as well. But in the four to five months before it, so so, you're um, all, so you're, this isn't a qualification for comrades. This is a qualification at which pen you start in, which will have yeah. a bigger impact on things. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah I, sens- think it's, I think it's sensible. great. That's sensible. And actually, London is probably a lot of work, is why they don't do it. But for me, London should do that yeah. with half marathon times. You're absolutely right. Because unless they, so many people get it wrong, and it is a, it is a nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. And half marathon, if you if you're an experienced marathon runner then you can just pull off a a half marathon no problem if you're not you should be doing at least one or two half marathons as part of your training anyway and so um yeah they should they should be doing that in all races because there's nothing worse than having someone at the front who shouldn't be and they end up having horrific race for themselves because they're just constantly going backwards but they're ruining everyone else's as well no 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 a much easier way to do it is at the marathon expo they monitor you they have you so you pick up your number and they monitor you and when you go and get the you know the lucas aid sport wristband where they tell you time how many you pick up de- determines yeah. what pen you're in you start you're like, at the slowest one you pick up yeah you go oh, I'll, I'll have i'll have three wristbands and we'll see how it goes yeah if you yeah. do that if you don't pick one up at all you know you know how fast you're going you don't need it so you you go into the pen that you originally asked for, but they um so Claire is this weekend we're going out to Seville to run the Seville Marathon. Bloody hell! What's this? All this money bags <laughs> here, jet setting all over the place. Well, that one we got free entry to as well. Um, but the that is where Claire's hopefully going to run sub three twenty. Seville Marathon. That sounds lovely. Yeah, warm. Well, Seville's gorgeous. Have you been there before? No. Oh, no, it's lovely. It's such a beautiful city. Oh, really? Oh, it's oh, it's so, just yes. say it's romantic. It's a romantic Spanish city. <laughs> it's lovely. Oh, that's oh, I'm so jealous of that. I didn't even know well, Seville she, had a marathon. Well, she was trying to find a a marathon that was that was around this kind of time, and I think it's only going to be about sixteen, seventeen degrees. So it's it's really nice temperature to run, um, and the fact that I've now got tick the three the sub three box means i can now pace claire and so yeah i can't wait um we'll talk about it next week oh but, that's great oh i'd love yeah. to hear about that 
And so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a runner's world pace top. I don't think I think I've signed a contract saying I'll, I'll never wear that in a, another marathon. But um, oh yeah, I'm gonna take it anyway. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> hey, you go, you go. Well, look, look, guys, I'm I'm big in Somaliland now. <laughs> big in Somaliland. Are you gonna well, start adding that to your like your email signature and shit? <laughs> yeah, number I, one I runner, Somaliland. Name. David Hellard, number one runner, Somaliland. Well, the thing is, I want to I wanna taunt Mo Farah because I've beaten him twice now and I'm the champ, the marathon champion of his home country. So uh, there's got to be some mileage in there that. There has to be, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah, and especially as they want to get him involved for next year. And, and I think they just want to get him involved for creating running culture in the country because there's clearly a lot of talent there. I do, the, the, right, so, uh, right you, you've, you've, you've achieved something incredible there. You've gone to an incredible place and everything. I don't understand why you're not more fucking sunburnt. Well, um, did you see me on race day? We, uh, you, after, you looked like something was wrong with your face. It looked like you, there was some heat coming off your face. And there was... so, I, so I got there, and um, one of the Paula, the one of the, the ladies, she had z- is it zinc oxide? Oh no! What? Oh, what oh, go on. Or kind of factor fifty, and I hadn't I hadn't really taken on board what what it was. So I grabbed a bit of that, and I thought um, I should be alright with the heat. I won't be out in the sun for too long. But because I'm wearing this vest that um, that's with the the. Uh, two times used vest that's going to expose a lot of my shoulder that hasn't had seen any sun and also my nose always gets burnt so i got some of the um some of this cream not realizing that it was essentially um the thickest known substance known to man um and so i just looked like a like a an albino ghost or something you, you look like you had something on your face definitely i didn't know i didn't know whether that was because you, you were sweating so much and it was like leaving salt trails on your face or something but that was the zinc oxide, was it? Yeah, I looked almost like a mime artist. It was... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I thought that was sweat. I thought that was like sweat residue or something. Yeah, so I've, I've, <laughs> I tried to think what the kids would have thought because when I was in Ethiopia... That guy's I... whited up for some reason. What, <laughs> yeah. what a weird thing to do. He's so unracist that he's whiting up. He doesn't want to... But like, when I was in Ethiopia, I, I tried to get some suntan lotion and they didn't sell it because they... <laughs> Because they're like, well, they didn't know what it was, and, and I was the, the lady I was with was trying to explain it, and they're like, well, it's only it only gets up to like twenty six degrees in Ethiopia, and of course they're all black, so they don't need it for those temperatures. Um, I tried to so, in yeah, so they were like, what? He wants to put what on his skin for? Like, this is the weirdest thing. And yeah, if you've never seen someone burn. Suntan lotion would seem like the weirdest thing possible. Like it's fine, no one burns. Why would you need that? I've never seen anyone burn. But um, so yeah, I I didn't realise until I got home and and then looked in the mirror and like, oh my god, this is the weirdest weirdest thing I possibly could have done. Ah, uh, but um, yeah, what will we say? <laughs> oh yeah, so. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I, I just think I was like, oh god, you must have really pushed it because your your face has gone a bit <laughs> funny. You, yeah, you must have like sweat loads, or there must have been something that's coming out of it and everything. I didn't realise that was intentional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, well, I don't know. I'm saying that. That's what I look like after about five minutes running at my easy pace. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. 
<laughs> in fact, you need to, and the next time you go out on your long run, you need to take a photo of yourself right at the end when you're still running of your face and post it in the Facebook group oh. so we can actually see what... I told you, what, didn't I, that one time that I finished the, finished the London Marathon and I was feeling absolutely fine and this old lady comes up to me and she goes, are you okay? Do you need me to get a medic? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. I just, my, my eyes go like, like sort of dark blue as though someone's punched them in the face, me in the face and everything. I'm just, I look awful. I just you like look, I look like g I look like g <laughs> but you talk about G-Law. G-Law's been supplanted by someone. Uh, in what In what respect? In the group, in the in the Facebook group. Do we have another triathlete? Do we have another triathlete? Come on, you must have seen him. No, I've Deepor. been... Um, Deepor, you haven't seen Deepor. I've been away. Who's Deepor? Tell oh, me. Oh, we need to talk about... We'll talk about this another time. Well, I mean, talking about group activities, don't we have to report about Lee Stuart Evans? I... I that could mean so many different things. <laughs> he oh, made it. Yes, he it did. did. The 10,000 calorie challenge was incredible. I, I mean, I've, I've not had a chance to catch a lot of it. I mean, bring me up to speed. Take me through it. So, um, uh, so the intention was going to this cafe that he knew about. So, so um, uh, it, for the listener that doesn't understand, so um, what happened was that David was talking about, well, you were talking about the 10,000 calorie challenge, weren't you? Yeah. You mentioned yeah. 10,000. In what context were, 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 you, were you talking about it? I can't remember. So someone had messaged me about trying to break the underground record, the underground marathon record. Yes. And this person had attempted and failed previously at doing the 10,000 calorie challenge. Mm. So 10,000 calorie challenge is 10, 000, eat 10,000 calories on one day, burn it off on the, on the second day, which it seems really, really simple. It seems really, really yeah. easy. You think eating 10,000 calories, that's not difficult. And burning ten thousand calories, well, you know, you can, if you start pretty early, you can you can do it. So, um, of course, Lee Beanley um, takes up this challenge within seconds of listening to the podcast. <laughs> and he was plans... probably he's probably seven thousand calories in when while he while he heard it. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thinking now all I, I, I need a normal yourself. a normal three thousand calories afterwards. <laughs> so, um, so he planned yet yeah, on the Friday he was going to go to this cafe that had a like a belly buster type thing. And it was it about 3,000 and a half, three and a half thousand, 4,000 calories per breakfast. Yeah. I think it's four, 4,000 4, yeah. calories per breakfast. He was going to eat that. But you got it free. If and you finished you got it. it within half an hour. If you finished within half an hour, you got it free. And then he was going <laughs> to order another one immediately afterwards. <laughs> so did he finish it then in half an hour? No, 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 no. It went, <laughs> it went wrong after about 10 minutes. What? Lee felt, uh, Lee, Lee was looking pretty bad. It was oh, pretty wow. bad after after ten minutes. I mean, the thing is, the plate. When you look at the plate, you think that doesn't look there's that much on the plate. It do, it looks doable. Yeah. You put a time limit on it and everything. I think it changes it. It changes your enjoyment of that food. Um, yeah. And I think he was struggling at that point, and then, and I think the rest of the day just got worse for him. So um, did he order a second? He, he didn't order a second. I don't think he ordered a second. Oh, that's no. But then he had like for for like a snack. He had like I can't. It looked like it was like fifteen Mars bars or something like that, or twelve twirls <laughs> or or something hideous. Something that just seemed like it would you know look, looks fun on the on the outside, but actually. So and I think what happened. He, he eventually did. I think he had to have a big gap between lunch and dinner. And, yeah. and eventually dinner took him over 10,000 calories. I, I think it was pretty solid to the 10,000 calories. 
Um, when it came to burning the ten thousand calories, different story. Because the guy, so this was this was um, this ten thousand calorie was mentioned in Men's Health, wasn't it? And the guy oh, in Men's I Health, yeah, yeah, Men's Health did this. The guy in Men's Health did it, and uh, this guy was like a, a like rip guy of it, and he never he didn't achieve it. He hit ten thousand calories, and in the yeah. end, he only burned eight thousand. Which you think, you know, considering you're doing it for a magazine and you're like a, yeah. this workout guy and stuff like that. But the problem is, the fitter you are, the harder that becomes. And oh, so, I see. Because yeah. you you well, you've less weight to carry. Well, or? That, well, that's it, isn't it? The fitter you are, so um, uh, so burning calories. So well, you know, it's that thing like when you see on the biggest news. Oh, I guess stuff, you're more like, efficient. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So um. Lee, um, so he started at 12, literally at midnight, went left, left his home um, yeah. to start running down the downslink. Um, and I can't imagine how awful he felt, like either <laughs> with any sleep, with 10,000 calories inside him. I like, he messaged me every now and then going, things aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> and was it, I mean, did he, was he fueling as well? I, I'm not sure. I did, we, well, that's the thing. We didn't know about the rules because he didn't know whether he was allowed to eat as well. I'm like, you can eat. Cause it, you, all you need to make sure is you, you burn 10,000 on one day and you, uh, you eat 10,000 on one day and you burn 10,000 on the next day. You don't have to literally go zero calories by the end. You can eat as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure he did. Um, but by all accounts, it was a very, very difficult experience. It, it ended up yeah. in getting home... And he was about an hour and a half away from midnight and him having to run up and down the stairs. And I think he did it with half a minute to go. Got to like no. 10,047 calories with, half, with like 30 seconds to go till midnight. It was incredible. How, how far had he run then? It was, uh, well, it, it, there was a challenge. Oh, this was brilliant, wasn't it? Did you, did you not see this as well? He did a challenge that whoever, <laughs> if you guessed what, um, the distance that he ran... Yeah. Um, then you got he, he would send you a, a case of um, uh, brew dog. Okay. And so, um, oh, who was it? Was it? Was it? Is it Tom Walker? Um, oh, Tom Walker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He guessed. It. I think it was like seventy-three miles or something like that. Seventy-three miles or whatever. He guessed it. Um, and so, and so it's like seventy-three miles. And then uh, Tom uh, got his his uh, case of brew dog. It was all nanny states. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so alcohol free. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Nice. Amazing, nice. amazing work. Um, but uh, but yeah, he managed to do it with just uh, just a few like a few like literally seconds to spare. Um, yeah, and he showed uh, that he showed that. I mean, like it sounded awful, but he had he had some day to recover. But oh my god, just awful, awful! It, it's the it seems really easy. I don't think people realise just how many calories to burn that is. Yeah. Because your marathon's, what, 3,000 calories? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I, I don't think I've, I would have ever... Actually, I'd have probably burnt 10,000 calories at Ultimate Hell Week, but I'd have never burnt it in my running career before, I don't think. No, no. And that's it. And the more efficient you are, the, the harder it is as well. Um, yeah. And so, God, that must have just... Because it's not just that. It's not just like your fo- if, if you were just focused on burning those calories, that's fine. But you have 10,000 calories worth of food inside you while you're trying to do that as well. Oh, that's geez. the worst part, isn't it? I mean, that is... Oh, can you imagine? You, you must be the most bilious, acidic... Oh, it, 
just must feel awful. <laughs> I don't know what does that do to your body. Yeah, but I think you're right. Lee Lee was absolutely the right the the perfect person for that. I don't think I don't think many other people would be able to do that because Lee has the right ability to eat that amount and also have the right ability to know what he needs to do to burn ten thousand calories and have that fitness as well. I think you, you the, were spot on. And the fact that he he found it so tough. I mean, wow. That I mean, fair play, Lee. I did doff my cat. That is it. That cat, is impressive. That is impressive. Do badership. So but we need been... to, how so how how do we how do we best that because I think it, it, everyone was saying we need to make challenge Lee a monthly thing. <laughs> well, I think there should be a beer a beer one linked to heavily drinking one day and then um, driving. But I, things, oh. I don't think I can't think of anything hard enough compared to that. Oh yeah, I know cycling. What what Lee needs to do is an Iron Man. That's what he actually needs to do. See, I think he could do it untrained and finish it. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, he does. Actually, he does a lot of cycling already. He t- he hides it because he he doesn't want to be chucked out of the group. But, but he have you seen? He's been featured in the Daily Mail. I know, unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> so if you if you're not if you're an inter- international. Um, listener basically the daily mail is the um it's the fox news of british newspapers it's basically so, uh, yeah it's, it's it's bile on paper pretty much yeah yeah um and, but they'll they there's nothing they wait they'll talk about anything to get clickbait essential essentially i think they're probably the most sophisticated online magazine at um a grabbing They'll grab your attention and then they'll yeah. use the money they get as your audience to then fuel their hate-filled um, pages um, to try and uh, blame immigrants or single mothers for pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've, um, I've just thought we, we could have, if we have our stings ready, an It's Your Letters section because I've got a bit of feedback you got a bit of feedback. No, we've got it's your emails. You sang it's your email. Oh, it's your email. Is, so, so okay, this is really interesting. So in the next in the next episode, even in this episode, we might have some stings. And the one thing I was impressive is that we all know David was a choir boy, but David's voice is rather fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's just it's beautiful. You have such volume. I, I, <laughs> no one was expecting that. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, um, <laughs> the listener will have to wait and, uh, and hear that. I mean, it could blow out their car speakers when we hit the pad. Um, if, if, well, I, I, I was a bit worried, actually, about how... Um, Jed, how Jed, Jed, all Jed's equipment was going to explode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, noticed, but yeah, I've, I've, not- I've noticed monkey tennis guys have been very quiet about it all. Have they? Yeah, Tom's not, it's like no communication or anything. It's like it's because they've been cheated on. I know exactly. That's got Where's to the hurt. other woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ah, oh, poor guys, poor guys. But um, yeah, we had we had a um, Matt Carl has emailed in. Oh yeah. About he, he talking when we were talking about the situation in um, Hawaii. He said that. Um, so if you if you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, basically. Someone in the Hawaiian government by accident clicked a button, which meant that everyone was emailed or text um, that there was an impending ballistic missile uh, going to hit the <laughs> island. 
<laughs> said this is 45 the most minutes. amazing thing ever. <laughs> but apparently because they, they didn't have the the password to log into the Twitter account or, or whatever the social media account was. So they couldn't log in and, and say, no, this is just an error. This is an error. Um, so he was saying that apparently at the time there was a, a hundred mile trail race happening called the Hurt 100 in Honolulu. And so some of the people got the alert during their race. What? And yeah, and had to decide whether or not they were going to keep on running. So what did they do? He didn't follow up about that. He didn't say. He said he said most people didn't take it seriously. He, no, he didn't. No one would switch their Garmin off. That's the thing. That's a difficult yeah. thing. Yeah. I've got to see the mushroom cloud before the Garmin is switched off. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. What I mean, what would you do if you've got... You find out a missile's coming. Um, you're in the middle of this. It's your first hundred miler. Would you finish it? What else? Things. What else would you do? What? Just what? In that situation, you're like, what, I, yeah, what I guess can I, I do. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably just if you've got your phone with you, just ring, uh, just phone up all your friends and family and stuff, and probably do that instead. Um, but he also said um, there was a well-known race director called the Runbum, um, who's the race director. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He happened to be in Hawaii and not connected to the race. To the race, and he apparently he just met up with all his friends and they just smoked loads and loads of pot together. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then they um, they kind of came around and were like, "Oh, we're not dead. Cool." <laughs> <laughs> which i think is probably what a lot of people would do just like oh sod it but uh let's just get high pretend nothing's happening he was known as the run bum the run bum yeah what does that mean I, what, I he's should... like a hobo a hobo a running hobo i think it must mean hobo um rather than uh, i mean maybe he's, he's... <laughs> oh, no, obviously doesn't just mean a pair of bum cheeks running along yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him, but maybe he's got magnificent bottom potentially, but I, I doubt oh, it. Oh, you think it. that's why he's just got an? Ex- he's got one of those. Um, what's the advert? The money supermarket struts type butts. <laughs> potentially, yeah, potentially. But um, what else have we had sent in? So, have you seen about the Strava? breaching u.s national security i did see that yes because uh remind me again it's people incredible or their strava segments within secret military bases <laughs> around yeah. like area 51 and everything yeah absolutely so if you're say you're in iraq or you're afghanistan you're in these places where um you're not allowed it's so top secret or so secure that you're not allowed out to run you're obviously going to run where you are and so yeah exactly that people had been um had been uploading their strava runs in these areas where no one was meant to be and so um there were secret military facilities around afghanistan and syria which is crazy to think and i guess i yeah i guess you wouldn't well i'd have thought you'd be intelligent enough to realize you shouldn't be publicizing where you are on Strava or setting up um, heat maps and and segments, but yeah, um, people have been cycling in Antarctica, um, in North Korea, 
It's people who are exercising around the hotels. It's just really, really interesting to see all the places that um, people have been running that they supposedly shouldn't be. So I'll, I'll post the article in the Facebook group, but really interesting. And, you know, who's to blame? I, it's, I guess it is the individuals, but does Strava have a... Um, well, it's like, well, Google Maps, don't they? Google have a responsibility to not... Um, you have to make a request to Google to make sure that your secret facilities aren't shown on Google Maps. On Go- yeah, uh, what's it called? Google um, Earth. Google Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah. if you start scrolling around, all of a sudden there's an area of high pixelation. You're like, mm, that's that's not in any way suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's been um, we've also had another another cheat, um, an ultra cheat, which we obviously love. If you've got any stories of people cheating, we do love them dearly. Oh, we, so, yeah, there's nothing better than a cheat, is there? There's nothing oh. better than a cheat. Better <laughs> than, we should have had that as a sting. We should have well, cheat, cheat of late. the week. Cheat of the week. That's what we cheat should have had. Cheat of the week. There's enough out there, without a doubt. It's become, do you know what? It's becoming very fashionable, it seems, isn't it? It is. It's all the rage. I feel as though we've started a trend. We've made cheating fun and accessible and now people they're just they're catching on everywhere <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually a brit who's been cheating a, a gentleman good, called yeah, oh, good old lads yeah <laughs> good representing good old britain brexit whatever go on what's so he done he um he was running a hundred kilometer race he managed and it's it's eight sorry it's it's, la- it's a lapped race so they're 12.5k loops and he managed to cut every single loop so that he only ran 60k which is pretty good that's pretty good so he managed to it must be he cut off at least 4k on every single loop he did which i i mean i think that that's quite impressive going that, what I like about that is that that's, that's taken thought and that's taken, um, that's not just like, they've not tried to wing it with the cheating. There's been, there's been a, a consideration around that. That's good. I yeah. like that. Well done, Mark. Well, well done. done, good old. <laughs> Proud to be British. <laughs> none, of this, none of this foreign cheating. Good old British cheating. Yeah. When we cheat, we cheat well. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> But I've, I've also seen this documentary that was posted, another run documentary, and oh my god! What documentary? I I, I can't remember it now, but I, I was so bored. It was it, it's the type of documentary where it goes, "Why do we run? What are we yearning for? What are we striving for?" You know that kind. Of, it was just utter horseshit. So I've decided I want to make a piss take documentary like that about the beerathon. <laughs> Well, I try and pretend that it's this poetic quest of man. What are you talking about? It is a poetic quest of man. I was thinking about it the other day. I was thinking about how much I love it. I was thinking about how much I love you for creating it in the first place because it was <laughs> it was something that I'd searched for for so long, and then I realised you created it, and then it's just I'm, I want to do the double again. I love I, I, oh. I, I want to do the double again, and I can legitimately drink Guinness now. Oh, it's going to be amazing. How about that as the new challenge? It's the thousand, the ten thousand calorie day, where you run and consume ten thousand calories. Oh, is that harder? I don't. 
on on so I wonder how many oh, do you know what I should have mentioned it on beerathon day I yeah. did double beerathon yeah we then did that massive walk from the tube station to the <laughs> to the Allianz Stadium and then I did then we did beer mile yeah. I wonder how many calories that was and I I must have drunk ten thousand calories I must have eaten ten thousand calories that day as well <laughs> easily I think I don't think you'd have burnt that many calories there because it would only be about at most let's say 15 miles. So you're looking at 1,500 calories. Yeah, yeah no, 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 but the thing is, but all the running I did do was only within a, a like a, so beer thought it was only in about a three, three hour period. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then there was a lot of walking and then what's it called, beer a the, um, what's it called, beer mile was like, what's that, 20 minutes? We should, we should make it official. It'd be a 10 mile loop and every loop you have to eat a thousand calories when you come in that simple hundred mile race oh my god that that that's a normal hundred mile race what you're talking about <laughs> you yeah. just need to do a normal hundred mile race because <laughs> a thousand calories doesn't seem that bad as one i mean what would that be a, a big mac i don't know if you think uh, fries. What, is, what is a big mac i think a big mac fries and a coke i reckon would be about it's just the amount of time. It's the amount of time that that would take to eat it. That's the thing you forget. You think I could eat that, but yeah. how long will that take? What's the What's the opportunity cost of a Big yeah. Mac, fries, and Coke? Because that is that could that could end up taking half an hour to eat. Yeah, if you're blending everything, then I think it. If you're blending it. <laughs> that's that's really good. <laughs> but I'm I'm looking for a a semi-professional. Or completely out. In fact, just any any film director who's happy <laughs> to create a piss take of a piss take running documentary about the beerathon. Oh, dude! I just uh, while we're talking about this, Nathan, for you, we've we've, <laughs> men- we've mentioned it so many times, and I've got to say, I've I've watched it, and it, it is my favourite program. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Oh my god! The thing is, the things he comes up with are brilliant. <laughs> They're utterly brilliant. I mean, like that. You, the, the, they, they, he passes off his market employees as terrible, but I actually, think he's a genius. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those programs where he starts because. All right. So what happens in this in Nathan View? There's nothing to do with running. I don't even know why we're talking about it. But then that's that's what you get with this podcast. Um, so basically, he's a marketing guy, um, and he's 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 sold as this guy who'll come in and solve your marketing problem. So someone yeah. will have an issue with a. Kind of rams his kitchen or, nightmares. Yeah, absolutely. He'll come in. He'll give a suggestion. The person will be horrified by the suggestion generally, <laughs> and then he'll try and enact it. Um, and like you say, sometimes a bit hit and miss. Sometimes they're a yeah. bit rubbish, and other times they're just brilliant. So, like one of them, <laughs> um, he does this thing where he says uh, he's going to get more people to a gas station by doing a rebate, and he gets these people to a gas station. And um, it, it's like for $1.20. But in order to get the rebate, you have to go and <laughs> climb a mountain in order to do it. And so he takes these people on this expedition up this mountain. And it, he ends up spending like the night with it because he, he, he doesn't want anyone to have the rebate. So he just tries to create all these challenges in between it. And he ends up spending the night with them. And then he ends up like becoming friends with all of them. And it's just it's the most incredible thing because it gets to the end and it has this weird thing of 
all these other um, uh, things coming out of it because eventually he then talks to the um, the owner of the gas store who then admits that he drinks the piss of his grandson and it just <laughs> it's, it becomes really fucking weird. It's yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah, and and I, and I think they quite often go into it filming it with a a rough idea of yeah. what they're going to do. Have you seen the one where you can you're you can buy a TV for a pound? Have you seen that one? Yet? No, I've not seen that one. It's because the there's this uh, electric store owner who's he's going out of business because Best Buy or what, one of the big American chains has yeah. set up near him recently, and that chain has a, a deal that they will price match any price in a five mile radius from another store. Right. So his plan is. Right, we're going to sell TVs for a pound. Then we can go into Best Store or Best Buy, <laughs> and we can buy all their TVs for a pound, and then sell them on at a huge profit. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone comes in to like buy them for a pound, but there's a dress code that you've got to be in tuxedos, like formal dress. So they then come in and they suddenly define, suddenly find that they've got to go through this room where there's a live crocodile and they've got to crawl in this bit and it's it just becomes this really horrific assault course to try and get this TV that's out the back. Um, but yeah, it's just that they quite often start with a show concept and you can see that they they it's not quite as good or as funny as they'd thought and then something else weird happens and they just run with it oh absolutely there's there's that one where he goes to a like a haunted house it's, I mean, it's just it's, some of his ones are brilliant he goes to that haunted house that is losing money and he goes the best way to make this haunted house make money is if it gets sued for being too scary <laughs> and then he creates this whole thing about someone catching some disease off someone. So <laughs> someone finishes the hood out and he catches a disease or something. And, uh, and it's utterly brilliant. The whole thing is brilliant. And then the owner is slightly rude to him. And then he gets really angry about it, doesn't he? <laughs> and, it and it's just the way it just spirals off into something completely different. And how petty he is with stuff as yeah, well. Yeah. He'll ask for help from people. And then he'll, he'll question their manhood or other things. <laughs> it's just, you have to watch it. It's just, it's utterly hilarious. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's it, so was, good. Is it on Netflix or? No, no, it's on um, it's Sky. So you've got to get, you, you either have to have Sky... Or you yeah. have to have Now TV Entertainment Package, which is seven ninety nine a month. Ooh. And I know that because Libby's been uh, watching uh, Grey's Anatomy solidly, so that's that's the only reason I've been able to watch it because she's she's got Grey's Anatomy. But that's a great recommendation. That is a great recommendation. <laughs> you you absolutely hit the nail on the head with that. So that's your yeah. recommendation. So what have we talked about? We've talked about doping, Winter Olympics. Yep. Somaliland, calories, zinc oxide. Um, how yeah. I'm I'm probably not running as fast as I should, and I look terrible when I'm running, and I can't actually judge how fast I go in. Um, Nathan, for you, this this episode's had everything. Not probably not what you expected of a podcast about running, but it has had everything else. But do do send in any suggestions of uh, other things you'd like to discuss? Any articles you've seen, cheats that you've found or discovered? Great cheats. Great of the week. I think we should try and interview the Russian doping cheat who does uh, curling. Oh, absolutely. That would be amazing. Well, I say that. 
<laughs> he might not speak English. It could be terrible. But um, but next week we're going to be um, who are we changing? So firstly, I'll be reporting on pacing my girlfriend for the first time in Seville to hopefully a sub three twenty and what the Seville marathon. Girlfriend like. or ex girlfriend? <laughs> my ex girlfriend about pacing three twenty one in. Uh, Is that Seville what she needs to do? Three twenty one. Yeah, she's at 3.19, so uh, sub 3.20 is pen number two at Comrades. Um, but we have, well, I think we're also, we've got someone li- in t- lined up to interview, don't we? Um, Next I week. Believe, yes, we, uh, we're, we're interviewing Andrew Steele again. So oh, yes. By now. Yes. Yeah. We're, going, we're, we're, we're going back into the DNA stuff. We, oh, I'm asking for a second opinion. <laughs> <laughs> So if you, you've hopefully by then heard the DNA episode, any questions you've got about your experiences or about anything that he's mentioned to do with the test. But we're, we're going to be asking him about those. But actually, we're also going to be taking it into discussing about his past. He's um, he's a 400 meter Olympic runner, Olympic bronze medalist and so we want to talk to him about firstly what it was like to receive his medal um, retrospectively with the russians being stripped of their bronze um, but also what it's like to be in the olympic village going to the olympics uh, the funding training for shorter races like 400s we've not really spoken to someone other than dale who were uh, specialist in kind of one mile for how it's different to to how we train so dale, any questions do you know what? I used to run 400 at school and it was, and I, I'd totally forgotten that I used to run 400 and it was, it was the worst race in the world. Oh, I, so went to, I went to a comprehensive, so it's not, it's not as if I've got any training or anything. It's literally just run. No one's going to give you advice. Um, but it, it's one of those ones. Is it endurance? Is it, is it power? That's, it's, it's the worst type of race to do. And so yeah. his, his quandary is, is, is probably what everyone who goes through doing the 400 had to, had to go yeah. through. But, um, but yeah, let's, uh, yeah, send us your questions and everything else. If, um, if you want to get involved, uh, come along to uh, Facebook, ask to join the Bad Boy Running Facebook group, and you just need to answer three simple questions to get in. And the, uh, what are the answers? The answers are yes, yes, and Pato, Pato Banton. Banton. That should be the answer. Literally in every question, every, every quiz in life should be yes, yes, and Pato Banton. Oh, I, I just realised what I didn't mention about Ethiopia. Well, go on. Oh, oh. So, got off the plane, went to my hostel, was talking to the owner oh, of the hostel. Wait a minute, you're on the fucking radio. <laughs> yeah. Why have you not talked about that? Just forgot about it. You're on the yeah. radio, man. So, um, turns out the owner of the of the hostel has a radio show. He's a presenter on the the biggest biggest youth channel in Ethiopia, kind of one and a half million people, kind of radio one equivalent. He um, he'd asked me if I was a comedian because I was. Which um... <laughs> is it? Yes, the best <laughs> in England. <laughs> and I, I'd said, oh, not really." But are we're you podcast. are you like Eddie Izzard comedian? Is that what you said? And like, no, I said, no, 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 I, I kill no children. I'm uh, just a straight up comedian. So, um, yeah, he, he had a radio show that was on that day. And I said, well, let's do a co-production. So we did. Um, he asked me any tunes to play. I obviously asked for Pate Banton. Amazing. And then, uh, yeah, we discussed Caffeine Bullet. We discussed Bad Boy Running. And he's going to be sending me the two-hour show, um, a file. So I'm hoping that we can 
edit that in get nick to edit it in so potentially the beginning might be that or to start off with a section of that which will make no sense to you until you hear this now no no, let's just no no let's not do that look we are trying to get as many rankings as possible we'll just slap that straight in as a podcast episode of our own (laughs) (laughs) yeah two hours of pure joy two hours that's it yeah, so I mean that was that was quite surreal, given that we were going out to the youth of Ethiopia, so uh, a near forty-year-old man broadcasting there. But um, there you go, there you go. So, um, well, great to chat to you again, Jody. Good to see you again, man, and congratulations on your great win and being a celebrity in a place that I had didn't ex- didn't even know existed until a yeah. few weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and listeners, get signing up to races like Somaliland Marathon. You won't regret it. It's so much more enjoyable, so much more of an experience than a, uh, a standard road marathon. If there are any guests you'd like us to interview or any topics you uh, you think would be good to discuss, then either email us letters at babblerunningpodcast.com or get in the Facebook group and uh, start posting there. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you next time. See you later, man. Bye 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 b